Hello, everybody, and welcome into this edition of the Sports Detective Podcast. I am your host, James Williams, and today I sit down and chat with Brandon Olson, who is the host of the Locked On Florida Gators podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. He is also a founder and analyst at Whole Night Sports, and we discuss Florida's season last year, a few heartbreaking losses, things that could have went differently. We discuss if Florida quarterback last year, Kyle Trask, was he actually better than Mac Jones? We also discuss Dan Mullen, his job at Florida, how he has done the optimism of the program moving forward, concerns, um, things, again, optimism with the program. We also talk about Florida's chances this year to win the SEC East and compete for a national title. Very good discussion. Sat down with him for about 50 minutes. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Brandon Olson. All right, joining us is Brandon Olson, founder of the Whole Nine Sports Network and the host of the Locked On Gators podcast. Today, we're going to be focusing, talking on about the Florida Gators, talking about first their 2020 season, which was just a year of heartbreak, miscues that led to heartbreak. He had two close regular season games that might have cost an appearance, their first appearance in the college football playoff. So I guess I want to start here. Almost a year after that season, looking back on it now, what do you think of it? Um, it's a year where it was, first of all, it was incredibly weird just as a Gators fan because like I'm used to pretty much since Urban Meyer left, it was like, yeah, we have such a good defense and such a terrible offense. And then last year was like the first year where our offense looked like it was finally going to uh, to get back on track. And it did. And then our defense just was not good at all. And it's like, oh, great. Like the one year the offense picks it up when like we spent a decade saying like, man, if this offense gets on track, we're going to be so good. And then the defense just crumbled completely at the first sign of like needing anything to really just like compete for, like you said, the first college football playoff spot that we would have gotten. Um, it, it was a little rough there. They were like, like the miscues were just, there was too many. I don't care about the Oklahoma game because we were missing just so many players that it's just irrelevant to me. But yeah. like, like you said, like miscues that lead to heartbreak, Marco Wilson throwing the shoe um that was just like i i'll say that is maybe one of the most um overblown mo like singular moments that i've seen in a long time just because like yeah marco wilson very stupidly threw a shoe um in celebration which like like i get like i've memed like the austin powers like honestly who throws a shoe thing but like who does it in celebration um but he threw a shoe. What's up? It was fourth down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was a huge stop celebration. Threw a shoe and like it, it's just like I get being mad about it and like he had a ton of people just coming for his head when it happened. But at the same time, like if we're being real, LSU never should have been in that game. Yeah. And, like that's always like because I have like Dylan Sanders is someone that I do the whole nine podcast with and like I talk to very frequently and he's an LSU student, LSU fan. Uh, and he brings up the shoe thing all the time. And it's like, that doesn't bother me. Cause like, 
the shoe, like, yeah, sure, it cost us the game ultimately, but like in the grand scheme of things, LSU had no single right being in that game. I don't care how foggy it was. I don't care what was going on. Florida was simply like a much better team than LSU was last year, and then they just choked it all away. Yeah, you look at that LSU game for um, the people that don't know. Basically what happened was it's a tie game. LSU has the ball with, I think, like two minutes left or less than two minutes left. Uh, They're not even past the 50 yet. I don't even know if they've gotten a first down on the drive. It's like third and eight. A Florida player, uh, you said his name, makes a terrific tackle in the, if I'm remembering remembering it correctly, he takes off the shoe during the tackle, decides to chuck the shoe 30 yards downfield, obviously gets flagged for unsportsmanlike contact. Drive goes on. LSU ends up going down, kicking a field goal with, I think, like 20 seconds left. The thing about that, too, is that, like, Florida got the ball back. Kyle Trask, pass, pass, pass. You actually got a chance at a field goal to tie the game and to send it to overtime. But then I think it was, like, really long or something. It was, like, in the 50s or something. So you had that loss, which shouldn't have lost that game. You also had the Texas A&M game where, I mean, I watched most of that game, like like you were saying with LSU, like Florida was a better team than Texas A&M last year. Like I just watched enough games where that's my opinion of it. And tie game, if I could lay that, that lay out how that one went, you're driving down the field, around midfield, decide to run the ball with I think less than two minutes left, fumble, Texas A&M recovers the fumble, drives down a little bit, kicks a game-winning field goal, you also had the Alabama game, which lost by six points, um, which kind of my memory watching it was more Alabama kind of dominated and Florida kind of came back at the end. But then I was reading about it a little bit too. I think you guys had some like untimely, like third down penalties that extended Alabama drives that really helped them out. Um, but yeah, did you throw anything in reaction to th- throwing the shoe? Did Florida um, throw anything in reaction to throwing the shoe i threw a lot of uh expletives around my room <laughs> when that happened but uh no because at the same time like immediately i had like the text just rolling in like this is before i even started doing lockdown gators but like everyone knows i'm a gators fan and so the text just started coming in about marco wilson and like bashing him and like i'll admit the first hour or so like i was like all in on blaming marco wilson but then it's like at the same time lsu had no right being in that game and like it's weird because i don't like being one of those guys that's like oh like they didn't beat us we beat ourselves but it's like there have been so many instances with florida last year where like we had four losses um one of them don't care about like like i said oklahoma don't care about that game because we, we had half our team there um Bama was a weird game because like you said, like score wise, it doesn't look that bad because it's 52 46. Um, and then like watching the game, like, oh, like Florida came and made it a game and Florida had like a solid first half. Like it's a game that uh, was farther than it looks, but not as far as people try to make it seem like Alabama didn't dominate but they should have rightfully won by two possessions, maybe three, if you want to say like 17 or something like that. But like people try to say Alabama dominated, but Florida like had garbage time points. That's not exactly what happened, but like 
yeah, we made it look closer than it was towards the end of the game, but it's not as far as people try to make it seem. LSU, yeah, the shoe game. I mean, that that last field goal too is like, it, it was, I don't know if you remember, but like it was incredibly foggy that night. Like yeah. the fact that Cade York made that kick for LSU was crazy. Yeah. And then Florida couldn't, like we couldn't like bounce back and we couldn't rebuttal there, but it's like, we had a chance too. Like that's how good that offense was where we had a chance there. And the Texas A&M game, honestly, that was that was more CJ Spiller than anything else, or uh, Isaiah Spiller than anything else, because he is just such a talented running back. And Florida's run defense was Swiss cheese last year. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> it was just, it was awful. Uh, I try to not get too um, vocal and emotional about games, but like I know Isaiah Spiller's trainer, uh, and I texted him when A&M was like roaring back and I told him, I was like, hey, uh, if Texas A&M wins, I need you to set up where I can meet Isaiah Spiller because I have to fight him. Um, thinking that Florida would win that game and they lost and I was like, never mind. Um, I was like, I'm not, I'm not that mad to fight him. He's a pretty big dude. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where like last year was a very, uh, I don't want to say emotional because like that sounds sad, but like last year was a very uh, intense year where it's probably more checked in than I'd ever been with the Gators and people know I'm obsessed with them. Um, so it's probably more checked in than I've ever been. Like the losses we had were all tough losses, but on the bright side, they were close losses, but at the same time, good teams win close games. So it's like one of those things where like, yeah, I could be like, yeah, at least we only lost close games aside from the Oklahoma one. Like we, like they were all one possession games, but then yeah, you bring up the point that good teams win those close games. So how good were you really? Yeah, Texas was kind of similar in that too, where Texas, if you look at their three losses that they had, uh, was the TCU game, which oddly enough, like Texas is just horrible against TCU. Like they're just, for whatever reason, they're just bad against them. They had the Iowa State game where they missed the field goal at the end, which you could argue that they, I mean, Texas fans argue that they should have won that game. And they went to like quadruple overtime against Oklahoma, which Oklahoma was better than them in that game. Um, but like they were still had a fighting chance. Uh, you said the thing about Alabama there with the close game. It was like probably as close as anyone played Alabama all year. And it's not like the um, like people were trying to say something similar about like a close game when it was the Ohio State Indiana game last year, where they're like, well, pff, Indiana only lost to Ohio State by a touchdown. I'm like, okay, did you watch the game? Did you not see that Ohio State was up by like three touchdowns for like? the entire game and then Indiana like came back towards the end. Um, but yeah, last year you just kind of, I don't know if you like look at it, it's just kind of like a missed opportunity because sometimes like sometimes this stuff does, does not come around that often where you have like that offense clipping the way that it was where Kyle Trask was like probably like one of the best, like he was probably honestly the best quarterback in the country last year. Um, unless you'd say Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence, which, I was like, I was going to talk about Trask a little bit later, but um, like, cause I was looking, I was comparing him and Mac Jones and Mac Jones stats are just kind of like weird. Like he completed 77% of his passes, but it's weird. Like the ripple effects that that stuff caused. And it's even leading into stuff like this season where I think Florida's a tad underrated. And again, I'm going to talk about that. Or we'll talk about that a little bit later. The game against Texas A&M, Texas A&M getting like a really, like a huge amount of hype this year. And I'm not sure why, other than the fact that they <laughs> <We need> both. 
<laughs> yeah, like other than the fact that they have Jimbo Fisher, um, if you look at Florida's record last year and Georgia's record last year, you'd maybe think that like Georgia was a better team, um, even though Florida kind of like it was kind of close for a little bit in that game. And then Florida just kind of, you know, smacked them in the second half and just really blew that thing open. And um, that's kind of the thing where you kind of fell out of the national spotlight where people probably forget that Florida played in the SEC championship game last year. And we're probably one of the, you know, five or six best teams in the country. You talk about another ripple effect here too, is like, there's a few ways, I guess we'll talk about Kyle Trask here. There's a few ways guys can get into the Heisman conversation. You're either like the commander of this awesome team and you're putting up really good stats, kind of like how Mac Jones last, last year was, how Joe Burrow was the year before. Or if you're a quarterback two and you're like RG3 and you're winning a decent amount of games and you're just doing crazy stuff every week, Lamar Jackson, kind of the same thing. And I think this actually kind of like, if you, like if you could redo the season, you win at least two of those games you're talking about that SEC championship game. You're going into it. Two undefeated teams. Kyle Trask might be the favorite for the Heisman. It just, just if those two endings go differently, which neither of them were really his fault. Um, so I guess my question here is, is Kyle Trask better than Mac Jones? Um, here's the thing like that happened with the draft a lot. Um, I like Kyle Trask more than Mac Jones. Primarily because like a insane amount of that Alabama offense was like screens like at or behind the line of scrimmage was a lot of that Alabama offense like and I get it Kyle Trask not a big arm either like I'm not not making the claim that he's that dude but like he had a lot more on his shoulders like Mac Jones did what he did and Mac Jones had a fantastic year not taking that away from him but Mac Jones did what he did with Alabama's offensive line like Florida's offensive line was at best average last year average pass blocking below average run blocking weapons great like both teams were fantastic weapon wise uh running game Alabama had Najee and the Bama offensive line demolishing everyone in their path Florida our run game sucked so when I look at it it's like to me at least Kyle Trask was asked to do a lot more than Mac Jones was asked to do. And for me, I think that's where it separates a little bit. I'll say Kyle Trask is a little bit better. I believe when it came time for the draft, I had them 0.05 points apart on my grading scale. So it was like, they were incredibly close, but Kyle Trask just had the edge, even though I, I was saying the whole time, like the whole draft cycle, I was like, I don't get how you could say Mac's a top 10 QB or a first round QB and say Kyle Trask is like a day three guy. Like they're just way too similar to me where it's like, they're basically the same dude. One's a little bit more athletic. One's a little bit of a better passer. And that's pretty much it to me. Another thing there too, with Mac Jones, I think with him, he probably just didn't have any sort of like bad film. Cause when I kind of went and did some Kyle Trask stuff, cause I was looking at the draft and I'm like, wait a second. Like, why isn't Kyle Trask being like ranked higher where if you look at him compared to Mac Jones, worse offensive line, even though Kyle Trask had re- really good weapons because he had Kyle Pitts and uh, Kadarius Tony, and I think there's someone else that Trayvon got... Grimes. Yeah, Tri- Trayvon Grimes was a uh, priority UDFA to the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, and then um, like so he had good weapons, but worse offensive line, 
worse coaching too because like Alabama coordinators get paid like two million dollars a year like they have freaking Bill O'Brien as their coordinator now which I don't know how good of a coordinator he'll be but I mean they just had Steve Sarkeesian who's now the Texas coach which I'm not super high on but like it just made it like that offense looked unstoppable with the Devontae Smith and even though Jalen Waddle was hurt for a while and Ajay Harris like like there's probably just wasn't any bad film on Mac Jones so it was hard to like dock him but watching him the year before I was like oh well Alabama doesn't have a quarterback this year they're going to be fine and then especially with people's like concerns about Tua now we're all of a sudden going to think that like Mac Jones could possibly go three to the 49ers it was a really weird um situation there but um if we're going to look forward to next season you know quarterback is probably the biggest thing there can you tell us anything about Emory Jones um that I love him I can I can tell you that much um I am just beyond excited for that and like I'm not usually this optimistic especially with Gators quarterbacks but like something about Emory like I've I've been pounding the table like he's gonna be I think a legitimate Heisman candidate like a like a Heisman finalist just because he's in that same offense like obviously it's going to be different because he's much more athletic like he is a legitimately when you watch him it's like okay he's athletic even for an athletic quarterback so he's going to add a whole new face to this offense because uh, i don't know really if you watched or how much of the gators you got to watch um but florida did this really weird thing where when we went empty and we had numbers in the box Kyle Trask would run either QB draw or QB power just because we had numbers. It would very rarely pick up more than two or three yards. This year when we do that, we've got a fantastic athlete at QB. We've got a QB with a bigger arm than Kyle Trask. I don't think he's going to be better, but I think he's going to produce more. Like if that makes sense, like I don't think he's more talented necessarily or that he's a better quarterback. But I think just what he brings to the offense is going to open things up and make us so much more difficult to defend where now you've got to watch the read option and you have to respect the read option. You've got to respect the triple option. You've got to respect the deep ball more. You've got to watch your QB and probably spy someone often. So it's just we're going to put so much stress on defenses. And I've spoken to a couple of the guys on the Gators and they assure me that as much as I will swear that we're going to run the ball a lot this year they still assure me that like this team wants to pass it a ton uh maybe even more than we passed it last year and i mean kyle trask led the league in passing led the uh led college in passing last year so that's something like we're gonna pass even more with a guy that can run more and do more like i have no problem with who's gonna be qb like emory's that dude to me uh again I don't think he's necessarily better than Kyle Trask, not yet at least, but I think he brings more to the offense and opens up this offense more where he's going to produce more. Like he's going to be what you typically think of when you're like, oh, like this guy's a fantastic college quarterback. Like I would love to use him in NCAA. Like that's, that's going to be what Emory is this year. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Dan Mullen coached. Mississippi State so the comparison that I kind of was reading with Emory Jones was uh, Dak Prescott who he coached at Mississippi State kind of a little bit more of like a dual threat guy like you said a few more runs few more option plays uh, there with him talking about Dan Mullen 
going into his fourth season at Florida, started off two 10-win seasons. If last year was normal, it probably would have been a 10-win season. So what are kind of the gauge right now of Florida fans? Because basically it was a lot of like, you know, kind of questionable guys that only had small, like I don't think there was a coach that was between Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen that was there for more than like two and a half or three years. So going into year four, what are your thoughts on Dan Mullen? Um, way more optimistic when they were with uh, with Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain. <laughs> way more optimistic now. Um, okay. I, I you, were- you know, not not that I you know I'm a huge Dan Mullen fan. Uh, I like what he's doing because there's obviously college football is very different from the NFL, where like you get to just draft guys to your team. Like here, you have to get people to commit to you, and Florida struggled with that. Like that's Dan Mullen's not kryptonite, but it's not his strong suit where he's not a great recruiter, but I like that he can make these guys that aren't great. Uh, he can make them great. Like he's someone who he's to me, a great game planner and a great developer. And I care more about that than recruiting because if you can consistently get guys to the NFL, like then the recruits will come like that's going to happen. Um, so like, I, I'm very optimistic for Dan Mullen. Like, I love what he's doing. I love the culture he's building. And like, people can call him corny for like doing TikTok dances with the recruits and all that. But it's like the guy's having fun and he's finding success. Who cares if you think he's corny? Like, and he's been here when he won national championships. Like, he was here with Tebow. Like, he was the OC when Tebow was here. Tebow became the first sophomore to win the Heisman and did all these crazy things. And it's like. He was the guy here, and now he's got a not similar quarterback because, like you mentioned, Dak. It's like Dak and Tim are both – I don't know why I said Tim, like we're best friends. But <laughs> Dak and Tebow are, are both like big dudes. Emery, pretty scrawny. Uh, so he's more of a shifty guy than power, but like that changes nothing really. Just like we're going to see the same plays. Like we're going to see him – get in space we're gonna see him let his quarterback move we're gonna see just so much from this offense and like i'm very optimistic and i i trust that this defense is going to grow uh we kept todd grantham which a lot of fans didn't like as our dc but like we changed secondary coach we changed uh d-line coach i believe it was like like we changed where we sucked last year that's what it was. we didn't fire the dc we fired the people that sucked and like and so that's what i like and like Dan, Dan Mullen's building a culture here and he's developing guys enough where I think he's setting not only himself up for success, but the university up for success when he eventually probably jumps ship to the NFL. Um, so that, that's something that I'm very happy for and I, I love him for it. An important thing too with Mullen was the coaches that you, that Florida tried before. Will Muschamp had never been a head coach before. And then Jim McElwain, uh, he was like a, only a head coach for like two or three years before. Mullen went at Colorado State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Colorado State. He had like one ten. Like yeah, he wasn't even like at a big school. Like he's at a, a mid major, pretty much. And it's like, how are you gonna? You shouldn't take that step up to a blue blood like Florida. Like, yeah, Mullen had like a track record of building Mississippi State kind of from the ground up. And at one point, I can't remember what year it was, but they were like number one in the country with Dak Prescott. And it's the case of you're overachieving at Mississippi State with less talent. What are you going to do when you go to a bigger place where you have more talent 
and you're going to overachieve. I guess kind of the concerns right now with him, if you were to have any sort of concerns, I'm not saying he's like in danger of being fired or anything, but is he the guy that like, and maybe this is uh, just being emotional or maybe not emotional is the wrong word, but just being caught in the moment of how the last two national championships were decided where Alabama is just this juggernaut that cannot be stopped. And the same thing with LSU and if you're Florida, you just have to like, all right, is the way to like win national championship, if that's what you want to do eventually, can you have like virtually 15 NFL guys on your team in their primes that are going to be drafted next year at this time? Or do you have to have a little bit of luck, which I don't know how that would happen. Maybe if it goes to a 12 team playoff, maybe that would be different, but I guess like, the concerns with Mullen would be like, can he do that? Or is he just a guy that's going to go like 10 and two every year? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's uh that's, that's the age old question. Like I know there are a lot of Gator fans that are like, Hey, like, I don't think he's that guy. And it's like, okay, but who is that's willing to come to Florida right now? That that's what it comes down to for me. Like, like who is available to come to Florida that you know will be a better shot than Dan Mullen or will give us a better shot than Dan Mullen. Cause like, I, I can't think of anybody. And like, I, I love college coaches. Like I love keeping up with it. I can't think of a single guy that I look at and I'm like, I know he's going to give us a better chance than Dan Mullen. Like I, I'm much more comfortable letting Dan Mullen try to figure it out because again, like this is his fourth year. This is his first year where pretty much the whole team are all guys that he brought in. Like we've still got some guys that were underclassmen in like the super senior year and like the COVID year allowed them another year of eligibility, but like, the huge majority of people here are Dan Mullen guys like that. That's what it is. So now it's his team. So that that's one of the things that I'm most excited for. Like just seeing like, this is his team. Like we're going to find out what he's made of now because the guys he had before, like Jim McElwain, I think he was a pretty good recruiter given where Florida was at the time. Uh, but now we're looking like the elite program that we should look like um which like honestly we haven't in a while now like pretty much since urban left we haven't been that team uh but we look like we're getting there and hopefully we can do it i don't know if dan mullen's a guy i but he is easily the guy i am most confident in like 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 you're an iowa state guy the only other person i would maybe want is matt campbell and he's not coming to florida that's like he ain't coming to gainesville oh no (laughs) Another Matt Campbell. I, I, I love Matt Campbell. I love what he does. I wish he was in the NFL already. No, he, he's fine where he is. <laughs> fine. We we've, we lock him up in the winter and we lock him up in the summer so he can't go anywhere. He's fine. He, he's fine where he is. He's going to stay where he is now for 100 years and never leave. <laughs> build a statue for him at some point. Um, looking at Looking forward to this season – Florida obviously won SEC East last year. For some reason, and I don't know why, but everyone has just locked on to Georgia, where Georgia's like, they're as much of a favorite to win the SEC East as Alabama is to win the SEC West. So basically, tell me why Georgia sucks and why Florida's better than them. Um, well, see, Georgia's doing this year what Georgia does every year where they've got good defenders sure they've got good receivers sure they've got a good run game sure 
but they're missing the very crucial thing of having a semi-competent quarterback. Like, that that's where Georgia always sucks, and that's where they'll continue to suck. Since Matt Stafford, like, they just, they don't produce NFL quarterbacks anymore. Like, that's not what they do, and that's the biggest flaw. Like, even when, like, eight to ten years ago, like, that was what everybody talked about with Bama, like, that they don't have elite quarterbacks because they had dudes like Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron. And it's like, yeah, but they also had enough talented players and good enough coaches to win. Like, uh, Kirby Smart's thing isn't coaching, it's recruiting. And that's why the conversation of who's better between uh, Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen is kind of a dumb conversation to have. As much as it's fun to have, they're two very different coaches. Uh, so it's like, who's better, an OC or a DC? And it's like, well, that doesn't matter because they're like they're opposite players, they're opposite people. Uh, it's hard to kind of consider, like it's hard to compare the two because they are very different styles. Um, but with Florida, like the thing that everybody's knocking Florida because of all this turnover, it's like every team has had a lot of turnover. And I've done, a, I believe I did a full episode about this part where like, everyone talks about Emory Jones and how he's the QB that's replacing Kyle Trask and how Florida has a new QB coming in, in Emory. And we don't know if they can replicate the success they did last year. Kellen Mond was a four-year starter at Texas A&M and people are loving Texas A&M right now. Ohio State's replacing Justin Fields and people are loving Ohio State. Alabama's replacing uh, Mac Jones and people are loving Alabama. The biggest difference, and Clemson's replacing Trevor Lawrence, and people love uh, Clemson. Biggest difference, Florida's QB's been here for more than two years. Florida's QB's had experience in game. Like Emory has played more than the huge majority of all the other teams that are replacing their QBs. And yet Florida's the one where it's like, oh my gosh, can they do it? Like, yeah, they can. If any other school can do it, so can Florida. Like, we've got it. Like, that's why when people talk about who's going to win the SEC East, it, it's going to be Florida for me. Like, and I try, I try to say that's not me being biased. It might be a little bit. It's hard, it's hard to justify not being biased. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just Georgia doesn't impress me because they're doing the same thing they do every year. They get a good run game, they get a good defense, and they get a terrible quarterback, and they think that they could still do it without him. And it's like, you're not. Like, you make terrible decisions because – you had Justin Fields on the roster and you chose Jake Fromm as your starting QB. Like Georgia's not a well-coached team. It's a well-recruited team and it's got, frankly, scared coaches that play safe. Like they play it safe by being like, okay, like we're just going to run the ball, not turn it over and play a good defense because we've got a bunch of five stars and a bunch of four stars, but you're not a good, like you're not a good team. You've just got good players. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I mostly watched Georgia earlier last year, and it was weird because you watch them and they're just like, none of the receivers can go deep. And you're watching them, you're like, what? They're like, they're all five stars, but none of them can get separation. You're just like sitting there, like confused, scratching your head as to like, wait, so why is this team supposed to be good again? Looking at them this year, they have like one of the better defenses in the country, which is more the reason why they're kind of predicted that high. And then also that combined with the fact that they have the old kid that used to play at USC, JT Daniels, who became their quarterback late in the season last year. 
where they went and won four games in a row. But then it's like you you read that and you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But then you go and look at the four games. It's a close uh, win against Mississippi State, which which was uh, Mike Leach's first year. They're kind of like rebuilding. Then you have South Carolina, not a good team. You have Missouri, uh, first-year coach, not necessarily the best team. And then you have a close win against uh, Cincinnati in the bowl game, which is probably the best G5 school, and I probably give them a little bit more respect than a lot of people do. But I guess it's mostly just the uncertainty of the the Florida offense because you did lose a lot. The defense, like you mentioned a few times, wasn't good last year. You do have a lot of people kind of coming back there. You have a little bit of spots that are filled there. So it's just kind of interesting to see. But if you're just talking about like, hey, they're going to be good because of their defense, you just you can't win college. Like maybe you could win if Florida's confused on offense this entire year. Maybe you could win it. But if this Florida offense is like, 90 percent of what it was last year and georgia's is kind of like you know fluttering and kind of inconsistent in a lot of ways the other thing that's really the cause for georgia too is the schedule they just kind of had the easier part of the schedule and i guess that's more why because um i think georgia gets to like skip alabama they do play clemson out of conference but they get to skip alabama florida has to play them week three but I'm I'm a little tempted. Florida right now. I don't know if there's betting in Florida where you're at. Is there? Um, I am in New York. <laughs> oh, my bad. Yes, I I yeah. Um, but depends. Even if I was in Florida, it depends. Uh, legal betting or not? Okay. That, that's the question. Um, or illegal? Definitely the latter. <laughs> Florida's plus 400 right now over under nine wins um I don't know I'm tempted I'm tempted to pick Florida Uh, yeah I'd say over ease like I I think that you know I I, again it could be me just being like hopelessly optimistic uh but I I love what this team can do my biggest complaint with the schedule honestly is just that the Bama game's at 330 that's that's my biggest issue that should be a night game like that how are you gonna put two top teams in the country at 3.30. Like that, cause that's a game that does not happen often. And like Dan Mullen has said, I want this to happen more. Uh, like he said, like we want Bama more, like this is bull. Um, I want him too. Like this game doesn't happen often enough. It should be a late game. Like, and honestly, there's like, I'm gonna knock on wood. I don't wanna jinx it. But there's like two games on this schedule that I even see as like losses, maybe. Like that, like there's not a single game where I'm like, okay, that's a loss. Like chalk that one up. But it's like Alabama and Georgia are the only two games where I think there's a all right chance to lose. Is this a new even Georgia? No. <laughs> Is this a new thing where people are just starting to complain about like kickoff times to games? I have never heard more complaints about kickoff times to game than this summer. I heard it uh, like David Shaw made a point about it with the uh, Kansas state Stanford game, which is uh, I think it's going to be in Dallas or something. And it's an 11 kickoff 11 AM kickoff uh, uh, central time, which would be like 9 AM West coast time. And he got into a hissy fit about that. Oklahoma uh, was mad that their game against freaking Nebraska, who's going to win like four games and they're going to fire their like 19th, maybe not 19th, like fifth or sixth coach since like Tom Osborne that's like flailed. 
And it's just like, and then now you're complaining about this. I don't know. I was thinking about that too. I was like, if that's the same weekend as the, uh, the Oklahoma Nebraska game, Oklahoma, just, just move them all up. <laughs> just move them all up. Oklahoma can go into that slot. Florida, Alabama could go into the, uh, the night slot, but yeah, kind of weird about that there. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say like, I've, I'm complaining about it just because like, like Stanford complaining, like, shut up. It's a neutral field. No one cares if your fans can watch it on TV. No, like if they want to watch it that bad, they'll wake up. My thing is like, just, I think it'd be fantastic TV to have the swamp at night with two fantastic teams. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's stupid for the broadcasters to not have that game be your prime time. I don't care if it's because people go out at Saturday so they can sit on Saturday night. So they consider like the three 30 time, like the prime time, because that's when most people are still home. But like, that's an amazing game that like, that's a possible playoff matchup, a possible sec championship matchup. And you've got it week three at three thirty PM. Like, I don't care where it is. I've, I've like said, like at the swamp, it should be on TV at night. Like, even if it was at Brian Denny stadium, it should be on TV at night. Like that's a big game that deserves to be a primetime game. That's why I'm mad. Like Nebraska and I, no one cares about you. Uh, like Stanford, no one cares about you either, for being honest. But like that, that's where we're at now. Like, again, I've never complained about schedules before this game, just because like it, I don't understand the logic. Cause like everywhere, like it seems like it'd be a win, 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 win for everybody. If it was just, it was just like a, a night game. In fairness to Nebraska, it was Oklahoma that was uh, complaining about it. Is that <laughs> – yeah, and then it was like I listened to a podcast about Oklahoma guy, and he was like, well, because the Big 12 didn't fight to make that a primetime game, probably the reason they decided to leave the Big 12. I'm just trying to go through here and see there's so many games. I'm trying to find out what other games would be – happening week three. Yeah, I hope I hope it's the right week because sometimes week three can be. Oh, if this is the right week, Texas Rice, Iowa State, UNLV, Ooh, Arizona State, BYU. Actually, those are all like nine thirty. Uh, for some reason, I can't find the Alabama one there. But yeah, I, I think Florida has a good chance to win the SEC East. Um, let's transition here. Something that I am kind of jealous of. I don't know if jealous is the right word, but I guess I envy. It's just basically in two conferences that this is the case now. It's the Big Ten and the SEC, where it seems like you guys have it set up where basically every year you have like four rivalry games, right? And but like I, I just know this because I'm in the same state as the Iowa Hawkeyes, and you're like, oh, wait, you guys play for like four trophies a year with rivals? <laughs> like what? Like what is going on here? And Florida, you have all of the in-state Florida ones. I don't know how big the Florida Miami one is right now. I don't know when, if it, ha- that- when it happens. It's electric. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, I guess, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. See, that's like that's a neutral game this year in Jacksonville, or is that always a neutral oh, game? Always. Yep. Yeah. World's greatest outdoor cocktail party. <laughs> Stupid name, but that's what they call it. But would you say your biggest rival is Florida State? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say it's probably Florida State, just because like Georgia. I'm like us between Florida State, like because people talk about Georgia being like 
it's a conference game. It's a division game every year. Neutral site. It's this huge thing, but it's like a Florida state. I hate no school more than I hate Florida state. Like I, I just, they're, they sicken me. Like that's where I'm at. Like I hate Florida state so much to me. That's the biggest rivalry game. And like, it's always chippy. Like, even if it's a blowout, it's always chippy. People always want to fight, do whatever. Like, uh, a few years ago, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson got in trouble because when we beat Florida State, he planted the flag. Like, he did what Baker did at Ohio State. Like, he planted the flag. Like, Chauncey did the same thing, and he got in a lot of trouble with the team. And he was just like, I don't care more in the NFL. Like, do whatever you want. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you just want to be as extra as possible. And it's also, like, it's a game that will almost always have, like, playoff implications. Like, it's, it's always the last game of the season for us. So it's a game where there's a lot riding on it, where if you take that late loss, like it could be donezo for you, whether you're Florida State or Florida, if there's a late loss for you, it could cook your whole season. Because like we talk about when we look at rankings, because I personally, like I hate the power 20, like the top 25 and all that stuff, because like you could lose two games and or one game even. And with a 14 playoff, you're not getting back in that top four. So this is one of those things where, like, if you lose a game early in the season, you can bounce back by having a strong rest of the season. But if you lose that last game, I I don't see a way where you don't fall out of top four. Like, even if you're number one, if you lose to a team that's maybe top 25 or, like, not even top 10, like, you're, you're going to lose out the top four if the other three teams in the top four win. So it, it's got a lot riding on it every year. Uh, it, it's yeah, I, I hate them more than I hate any other team. <laughs> the uh, the Florida State thing that's when the rivalry was really at its peak was in the 90s, where you have Bobby Bowden, Florida State at the peak of their powers, basically, and then you have Steve Spurrier, Florida at the peak of their powers, and they are just going back and forth year after year after year, battles clashing. Um, some really nice stuff there. Just looking at Florida State, though, now, Florida State is, like, they fell down in the street, and then an 18-wheeler came and then just (laughs) ran over them. Like, they are just demolished. They are down and out. So, hopefully, uh, Norvell now, I don't know. There was, like, this weird thing that went around recently, uh, or semi-recently, where I think it was 24-7 sports. They were ranking all the coaches for each conference. And I looked at Mike Norvell and who knows who, I don't know who was ranking them. It's just a ranking. Maybe it was analysts. Maybe it was media. Maybe it was other coaches and take whatever stock you want into it. I think Norvell was like near the bottom. And I was like, Oh, it's Florida. Cause I kind of was like, all right, Memphis, he did a good job there. So who knows what's going to happen there. Is there like a joy that you kind of take in a Florida state just being like, uh, down, or would you rather them be up a little bit where they can kind of get their hopes up and then Florida can just smash them at the end of the year? I hope they never bounce back. <laughs> I, I want them to stay down there. I hope they never bounce back. I hate them so much. They're just, <laughs> they're the worst. Like 0 and 12 every year. Yeah, I, I hope. I hope we extend to like a 45 game schedule and they go 0 and 45. <laughs> like, I, I just want them to lose every single time they touch that field. Well, they're going to join the SEC. So I hope they do. I hope they do because like the ACC, frankly, is a joke. Like every year, there's one team that's up at the top, and it's like Clemson. It was Florida State when they had Jameis. Like 
every year there's one team in the ACC that's good. But you look at the SEC, every every team that's like average to to and up in the SEC would be a top team in any other conference. And like that's it. Like that's just how I see. Like you look at the top ten any given year, and like people can cry all they want about like SEC bias. It's like it's because they're damn good. Like that's what it is. Like they really are that good. Sure, you can maybe say there's a little bit of SEC bias every now and then, but like it's because that conference is just so historically good where like the big 12 it's like yeah sure you have iowa state oklahoma great schools but like tcu's wildly inconsistent like school like tcu's uh, almost always like every year in the top 25 at some point but they blow it every year and like kansas state can pull off the upsets and Oklahoma State can do whatever they want and show up every now and then and contribute and get top 25 ranking. But, I mean, there's no, there's no conference that consistently puts out top 25 talent like the SEC or and consistently puts out NFL talent like the SEC. So if Florida State wants to come here and join Texas at the bottom of the SEC, like they're more than welcome to. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. And it's, it's so weird with Florida State too because it's not like you're being like – like push down to the bottom there in the ACC. You just like the, it literally just like blew up overnight. Like it's really weird. And I read an article, I think ESPN did. I don't know who wrote it. I read it like last December, I think if my memory is correct. And it was about Florida state and kind of their demise. And basically like Jimbo Fisher, because for a while, like it was Florida state and Clemson, like every year for like five straight years. Who, whoever's winning the SEC, it went down to those two teams. And they kept going back and forth. And Jimbo Fisher's going to the, uh, the people in his athletic department and saying, hey, guys, we need to spend money here. We need to spend money on our facilities to keep up with Clemson. Look at them. Look at what Dabo's doing up the road. He is spending all this money. We are going to get left behind. And it was kind of a weird thing, too, because like I think they just interviewed a bunch of former Florida State coaches and it was a weird thing. We're like, yeah, we just like, you know, recruited a bunch of bad personalities or whatever, bad eggs where they just came in and were crazy, even though they were talented. They just, there's reasons that other people didn't want them. And then they all show up on last chance you. And then, uh, and it's like, all right, well, and basically the whole point was like, they had an uh, athletic director or someone really, it might've been their athletic director or someone really high up in there that came into Florida state and he came from Duke you know, I didn't think about Duke basketball, Coach K. So that's why like Florida State's basketball program is really, really good. Because I'm pretty sure they start putting a bunch of money into that. And then they thought like, eh, we don't need to put as much money as we usually do into um, the football program, whatever, a, a bad hire or two goes bad. And then kaput, they're just like, who knows if they'll ever come back? Like, like this could be like, this is worse than a Nebraska thing. Like Nebraska, at least for a while after Tom Osborne left, you have Frank Solich is there, who's actually like a lot better than people give him credit for. Bo Pelini was winning 10 games a year for the most part, and then he gets run out. And then now Nebraska's back at this low point where it's just like, uh, <laughs> things are not going well for you now, even though who knows what's going to happen this year with them. But yeah, it's really kind of interesting what's happened with Florida State. So I love it. I love every second of it it's it's to me it's like like i said like i hate them more than any other school it's like 
I love that they're struggling. I love that they're at this point pretty much just like gasping for air to stay relevant. But I'm I'm cool with it at this point. Like I, I, as as long as you guys want to struggle, keep doing it. Keep putting your resources elsewhere. Like you'll sink. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, this will be the last thing we'll do, and then we'll go. So doing my research on Florida, just going through the season preview. Apparently, you guys recruited my new favorite player in college football. His name's Desmond Watson. He is 432 pounds, a defensive tackle. Just tell us a little bit about him. Is there any nicknames? Is there any NIL deals sponsoring him right now? What, what's the deal with him? Are you, uh, are you leading in? Like, did you know about his NIL deal? Is that why you asked about it? Like, no. Are you, oh, no. Okay, so uh, Desmond Watson is officially... Uh, the only athlete that is uh, signed to a deal with Spencer's Jerkin Jerky. He is the Jerkin Jerky athlete. Um, it's it's a phenomenal brand, really. Like, they're awesome. Like, they've had people be like, hey, like, can we work with you too? And they're like, no, we're Desmond Watson right now. Like, he's our only guy. Like, he is the guy for us. Um, so it's great. Like, he's, he's a tank. Like, I... I don't care what sport you're talking about. I don't care where you're from. If you're that big, like that, that's like, that's, that's insane. Like that's like actually worrisome. He's that big. Like, so he's listed now at 400 pounds. I don't buy it. He's still at least like 425. Um, second place on our team is 345 pounds. Like he's got a small child above the next biggest player on the team. Like it's ridiculous he's a monster and i love him for it like i just <laughs> i think he's fantastic and it's a beautiful thing but i mean he's if we're gonna be realistic if he's gonna have an nfl future he's gotta cut down a lot like because like, at this point he's just at the point where he just like bullies people like which what do you expect he's 430 pounds during his senior year of high school like he's gonna bully people but like if you want to be able to compete and actually contribute like you got to drop that weight you can't just be like snacks harrison like just like being huge and there like not not like steve mcclendon or casey hampton like you've got to be able to move in today's league and today's even college like so it's one of the things where it's like yeah i love him he's awesome and like the spencer's jerk and jerky deal is amazing because like that happened like the day of or the day after like nil even became a thing like I know that Spencer's Jerk and Jerky found out NIL was happening and they were like, we need to get this big dude like right now. Like he needs to be our guy. Uh, I don't know what he even gets from it, but it, it's amazing that he got the deal and I love it. And I love that Spencer's Jerk and Jerky was just like, no, like we've had other athletes DM us. No, we're not doing it. Like we're a one athlete uh, brand right now. Um, as for expectations for him, honestly, like, I have no idea what to expect from him. Probably not much because if he sheds the weight that we want him to, he's probably going to lose a decent bit of the power. If he keeps the weight, he's not going to be agile enough or fast enough. So I, I don't know what to expect from him. But I mean, at this point, he should just stay that big for the memes, if we're being honest. I have a few ideas of what he could do. He could, it could be one of those things where he loses the weight and then like five years from now when he's like a red shirt senior every game it'll be like he was 430 pounds and now he's like above 380 or whatever <laughs> kind of like those basketball players where they show the um uh, i can't remember the guy who uh 
played on Purdue, but he kicked Iowa State's butt in the NCAA tournament. So I remember him. But they just showed him in high school, and he's just like a bowling ball. And he was like, he was schooling people too. Like he he was big, but he was just schooling people. And he lost all this weight. He became athletic. I could see that happening for him. I also kind of thought too, big guy. Maybe he a little bit of fridge potential. Seems like he's a little bit of a character. He could be the fridge where you guys just use him on like goal line positions. And it's like, oh God, this like 400 pound beast is just going to like just destroy everyone in their way. And, you know, you don't want to tackle that guy. That could be a pop. Yeah, I've played with big dudes before. I would not, nope, I'm getting out the way. That's, I, I can guarantee you if I line up with him, like I'm getting out the way immediately. Cause like, that is just like, that's so crazy big like and i know people are like oh like he'll play nose tackle it's like yeah but like he's literally just a space eater like he's not gonna be quick enough to really make a ton of plays right now like don't get me wrong like he's he's solid at holding up his own blocks but it's because he's just massively larger than everybody else like that's that's really what it comes down to um i i just i hope that he does something where he becomes just like a superstar because just someone with his size and his just like yeah, just, just like his size in general and his potential would be just so awesome if he actually did pan out. Yeah, I'm, I think it's a good thing, too, that he signed with a jerky company and not like – I saw a lot of guys have done fast food deals. I feel like just him being a big guy and, you know, one thing I didn't know about big guys, especially linemen, they like to eat because they have to eat because they're big. And if you're talking about an already big guy – having to have like a Bojangles or have a, a Zaxby's or I'm just trying to think of local stuff down there, have one of those contracts, you know, maybe he bulks up even more. I think jerky, jer- jerky seems good, especially to, you know, that's like an investment for them where they're thinking, <laughs> the jerky company's thinking, Hey, he sheds this, he sheds 50 pounds. Commercial, commercial. You eat our jerky, you lose 50 pounds guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, he, there's a ton of directions they can go. Like again, like I don't know, but maybe he's just getting free jerky and not even money. Like who knows? But like that just it's an amazing like um, an amazing partnership. It's probably the best pairing I've seen in any NIL deal. Yeah, it's really uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm gonna hopefully hopefully he gets a few snaps this year and they point him out and I can find. Yeah, I, I isn't, hope like, so. isn't his like number like twenty or something too? Uh, twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, he picked like twenty one, which. Not a lot of big linemen picking like those numbers. That like he should be like a 90, 99. That should be his number. He should be ninety nine. Yep. He is right. the ideal ninety nine candidate. That's it. All right, Braden. You want to plug your stuff and then we'll head out of here. Uh yeah. You can catch me on Whole Nine Sports. It's Whole as in like W H O L E, not just the H. Um, and Locked On Gators Monday through Friday. Locked On Podcast Network. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you so much, James. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Uh, Thank you again to Brandon Olson for coming on, sitting down with us. Thank you guys all for listening. Go and follow the podcast for updates on the show and commentary on sports at JWS Detective at Twitter and Instagram. And as always, I will see you next time.